playing Irish bands for a happy St. Patrick's Day. Not much time left, by the way, uh, at least for us. And I think for the whole country now, St. Patrick's Day has passed. But um, still a great weekend ahead. Hope you make the most of it. I know there's been a lot of rain, a lot of runoff. There's like flooding and Phoenix, that doesn't happen very often, um, and uh, Tempe Lake, which is just there by Arizona State University, uh, that was like, I mean, that looked like a waterfall. <laughs> Frequently, you could practically walk across it, but yeah, you know, this is uh, this is great. It's great for California too, for that matter, with all the water that's coming there. But um, but that may or may not be a subject you'll hear discussed coming up this hour, our final hour of uh, open lines on Coast to Coast. I'll be honest, I went back during that break and I tried to find the body cam footage that the previous caller said uh, was of the police as they entered into the hotel uh, of uh, Stephen Paddock, the um, the shooter, the guy that committed suicide. Um, he called him a perfect patsy and said that made some vague connections that, you know, as to who else would have actually been doing the shooting. But I will tell you, as I'm looking at it, and maybe I just haven't found the right video yet, I I had the sound off because I was, you know, I'm working, we're doing a radio show here, but uh, I'll go back in and I'll, I'll watch it again later on when I get off the air. You can see the windows, at least in some of the body cam footage, appears to show the windows broken out. And he was saying, yeah, but a guy says there are no windows broken out. And I I haven't found that one yet, but I'll keep looking. Uh, and I do think maybe it's time to see whether there's a sort of definitive book on that. Um, I was in error when I thought, I mean, it's, it's been a lot, it's been a couple of years since I've been in Vegas. I stayed at the Four Seasons uh, one of the time that I was there, and it's on the other side of Mandalay Bay. It's in, it is in the same building. But it it's on the other side, so I'd forgotten that that and he was on the connecting point that kind of came out in the triangle that overlooked that area in front of the Luxor. So um, it, it, I, maybe there's something to this. I, I can't imagine, but um, I try to keep an open mind. And if somebody else wants to make a connection. Um, I'm open to it. But he used they and them and commandos, and I have no idea why anybody, what the motive would be to open up on a crowd like that when there's so much evidence that says it was Stephen Paddock. I mean, overwhelming evidence that says that it was him. But if there's something else to it, let's find out. Maybe that'll come up in open lines too next on Coast to Coast AM. This is Ian Punnett. Well, there's just so many different topics to get to between now and the top of the hour. Let's go to the first time caller line, Jeff is in North Carolina on Coast to Coast. Jeff? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, thanks for taking my call. i got to talk fast. Uh, okay. I heard what the uh, caller talking about Las Vegas said. Mm-hmm. Very intriguing. Um, there was a documentary that was put out a few years ago. I think the lady's, young lady's name was Mindy Robinson. And I want to say the name of it was something like Route 66 or some route number. And they had interviewed people who were in the concert uh, during the shooting, as well as employees of the casinos. 
people that were out on the uh, concert grounds were saying that there were people shooting from uh, one. A few people said from like a helicopter flying overhead. Uh, one from somebody walking down the sidewalk over the fence. Uh, there was one uh, person saying that one of the victims had been shot like right between the eyes. There was no way he could have shot that distance and been that accurate. So, well, you certainly could have with random shooting. I mean, when you're spraying a crowd, right, you don't have to. I mean, he, he hit Stephen Paddock, fired it over 500 people. So he fired in this massive. So, so I mean, just the uh, the statistics are that. It could easily happen that somebody took a, a shot well, like that. It's always a possibility, but uh, I mean, it's a probability. If you're firing into a crowd, you don't you don't have you don't have to have control over where the bullet goes. In other words, for that to happen. Well, there was a, uh, they interviewed a couple of the uh, casino employees who were working in the downstairs lobby area near the the entrance, and they said that they one of them they asked. Uh, and the the girl said that uh, you know she heard s- some shooting right outside, and uh, the other employee they were talking to said, "Yeah, I heard it too." But they were told not to talk about it by the uh, um, management of the casino. So yeah, I look forward to I look for that doc. I mean, I'll take a look at it. I mean, most of those that I've seen, people will send them to me, or I'll go and find them on YouTube and. They don't hold up to a lot of scrutiny, but I, I'm kind of a facts guy. You know, that's the journalism background. So I need more than just somebody said something. But I, I'm also open. Um, the 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 evidence that it was Stephen Paddock was pretty conclusive. Um, but I, and I just don't know what other motive. What is it that this documentarian that you refer to, who do they think did it and why? Well, could have been some sort of mercenaries. I don't. I, I can't really say for sure. Well, that's where it all kind of breaks down, isn't it? I mean, then it's like, well, it could have been, and then, so that's where I got to know. Uh, but I'll, I'll look into it. I appreciate the heads up. Um, most of those docs are kind of fly by night, and they're not exactly the most well researched. But I, I don't know. This one might be an exception. Barry is in Milwaukee on Coast to Coast AM. Barry. Hi, it's a great show tonight that uh, that St. John was uh, really good. Yeah, St. John um, Hunt's awesome. Yeah, I'm getting out ahead of the show a little bit, and uh, I, I was at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and uh, I'm 73, and I just got an armchair historian, and I like the Indian stuff, and uh, Sitting Bull was a great charismatic leader and all that, and mm-hmm. he mentioned that Custer was wiped out there. Uh, part of his command was wiped out. 268 were killed, but there were about 350 that survived. And uh, the other thing was that— I'm not sure what you mean by that. So you're saying on the battlefield, 350 people survived the attack? Yeah, he had had like 700 men altogether, and 268 were killed. The rest survived. And uh, That's never, ever what I've read, and I've read a couple books on Custer. Um, So— where where does it say that the Indians attacked and 350 were there and they were being attacked by by those by that group and they they got away? Um, who got, 
No, no, no. I, I just want to know because if you're an armchair, I, I, I'm totally good with that. But just because I want to know this before tomorrow night. Um, oh, okay. Um, it, 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 it's, it's on various various sites if, if you look for it. Um, no. He, yeah. he, had, he had maybe 30 or 40 Indian scouts with him. Um, the other thing was that there's also a video of a shaman that after the battle, he uh, he picked up 200 prayer sticks for the dance for the dead and 200 prayer sticks for the dance for the wounded. So the casualties were approximately the same on both sides. The other thing is that the, uh, the like the real heroes for the Indians was a woman and children that kept the pony herd from being scattered when they were attacked. And there were approximately 20,000 horses that they had. And during the day, they were, don't forget, it was 100 degrees. And they during the day, they would run relays and, and water all these horses. And generally speaking, the braves were off, you know, warriors were off gathering food or whatever. And and they, at the beginning of the battle, they, they were supposed testers split his command and they attacked the village and he was on the other side of the river. Okay. And from his vantage point, he could see that the ponies were being scattered and the Indians were being pushed and he decided his plan would work and he left that area to carry on with his attack. And then, but on the other side, the Indian herd being scattered and that all fell apart. And, and that's when the battle went way wrong for him. Everything went okay. wrong, and because the ponies were all there. I just got to say, I, I looked at this up in Encyclopedia Britannica, and I just, they completely disagree with you. So, I mean, I, I want to, it says here, um, there are 50 known deaths among Sitting Bull's followers, 210 U.S. soldiers, one survivor, Billy Heath, um, and... Uh, you know that that's it um so i'm trying to get to this idea where it was an equal number and that um i think are you thinking of it like over cuz like over a couple of days as opposed to the battle of you know the actual custer's last stand right well, I'm thinking when the battle started, that the battle lasted five hours. It wasn't, and it was over a vast area before before Custer was wiped out. Okay, well then his, that's his, fine his because group, yeah, yeah. So that's what we're talking about. So we're just talking about the group that he was with. They were all wiped out except one, Billy Heath. Um, and you're saying that prior to that, the skirmish prior to that is what you're saying, right? Yeah, it, it, the okay. whole thing well, lasted right. five hours. It, it was, you know, it, it various. There were a lot of skirmishes that went on in, in the battle. Oh, okay, well, I just got to be clear because I hate to give false information, and you know, and, and it's not you, dude. I'm, I'm sure you're, you're very sincere, but I run into this periodically on coast to coast where somebody will call in a, a supposed correction, and then. Like this happened on the, when we were talking about the train crash thing last time, and I, I kept calling it East Palestine, and somebody called them and said, "Oh, I'm from that area. We call it East Palestine," and I was like, "Oh, well, how did I get that wrong?" I'm like, and it's East Palestine. So, I mean, I, I'm trying to always want to make sure that it isn't just one person, and that, um, you know, that this was that we're all talking about the same thing. So it sounds like we're talking about two different things. I'll stick with. 
Little Bighorn and the actual battle that that wiped out everybody that Custer was with. But I appreciate that the, there was you know the other incidences that happened along the way and that more soldiers survived that. Um, in fact, we could talk about that tomorrow night with the uh, Sitting Bull, which is kind of the cool thing. We have the great grandson of Sitting Bull coming up uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Bill is in New Jersey on Coast to Coast with a reflection back on... Oh, did we lose him already? Okay, let's go to Ron in Michigan on Coast to Coast. Ron? Good morning, Ian. Ian, uh, an Irish uh, ditty that uh, Bruce Springsteen did is, this is McGrath, and it goes, just one quick line, it goes like, Tura, 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 who give their two fine legs away today? It's about (laughs) a boy who goes off to to uh, sea battles and loses his legs to cannonballs and gets two pine stumps instead. Mm-hmm. But uh, I wanted to talk about uh, uh, the CIA and Prescott Bush. Let's start with him. He, he he wanted to do a coup d'etat against FDR prior to World War II because they were they were pro uh, fascist, pro Nazi. That coup was thwarted by uh, Schmedley General Schmedley Butler, uh, highest ranking uh, Marine. Uh, a general, okay, and he thwarted that because the coup d'état plotters wanted to use him as the uh, the leader, and he ratted them, them out to FDR and FDR right. instead of prosecuting them because he, he knew he needed those industrials like Dupont and Ford for the for the war effort coming up, and he he forced them to uh, be loyal Americans and and one where he sent uh, George Bush's uh, the off to war in the Pacific to, to fight the Japanese to show their loyalty. But uh, then it sped, we'll speed it up to OSS, become CIA, and George Bush, Zapata Oil. And we, of course, we have to, we can't, the OSS became, uh, was incorporated with the uh, the Nazi, uh, uh, Reinhard Gelling's uh, uh, SS Gestapo was incorporated into our OSS. And that philosophy was carried on, in my opinion. And the coup d'etat that they tried against FDR failed, but and they were forced to be loyal Americans. But then they, they coup d'etat FDR, which that coup d'etat succeeded in uh, the CIA coup. And to this day, we are being ruled by, in my opinion, the CIA. And they, they led a lot Democrat, Republican, but they are still staunchly uh, uh, conservative and fascist. The CIA. Well, I mean, they, they can be conservative all they want. I don't happen to think, though, that that's... You may be right. I, I guess I can't say because I have no empirical evidence. So, but I mean, I, I've read in the books that I've read, and they would certainly agree with you on the on the the idea that Prescott Bush had been dealing with on the side, had been making deals continuing with Nazi Germany because it was so profitable until he was fairly well smacked down, and then he kind of behaved himself after that. Um, of course, he wasn't the only one. <laughs> There's a lot of there's a lot of that action going on with the Kennedys as well. So um, it, 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 there does seem to be people that that when they, they have enough money and they have enough power, they, they don't feel like they have to live by the rules that everybody else does, especially when it affects their bottom line. And uh, we've done a lot – too many shows on that um, to doubt um, everything that you just said because I think there's been some real solid proof brought forward by different authors over the years. Astro. Is that right? Astro is in Denver on coast to coast. Astro? Yes, sir. I was just in Evergreen earlier this week. Beautiful town. It is. 
But you and I have to get something straight before we get to the topic I called in about. Well, we don't have much time, so that will be my choice and not yours, but go ahead. Rock Chalk, Jayhawk, go KU. We definitely will not agree on that. (laughs) We will definitely. And now we have no time at all left to talk. As a result, you you foolishly decided to burn all of your time uh, with a taunt about the Jayhawks. And we'll just see about that, too. They're very vulnerable. And I remind you uh, that K-State beat them earlier in the year. So, anyway, go ahead. You had another point you want to get to. Uh, Yeah, I wanted your opinion on the people from the land of Nod, because I believe that they were Cro-Magnons if God created perfect people like we are today, okay? I believe it was the Cro-Magnons that Cain was sent to. Well, we don't. Here's here's what I would argue, and I think you you make a point. So, the, the, what he's what what he's referring to is that when um, Cain and Seth leave the Garden of Eden, who is it that they procreated with if they took wives outside of the garden? Um, and in fact, the land of Nod is the what is commonly said. There's some dispute on this because some people this that this can't possibly be true but if you look at it in terms of the people from the garden were the ones that had the divine spark yes sir and the people outside of the garden didn't that would seem to imply a lesser form of of human whether it's cro-magnon whether it's neanderthal whether it's some hybrid we don't know but that could be what it is that the Bible is referring to, that they took wives amongst the tribes that, li- that lived and were not part of the divine lineage of God. How does that sound? Ian, thank you. That's a very good point. Thank you, sir. Well, there you go. That's, uh, and, and this is contested territory, of course, because a lot of people don't want to think like that. But, but it only makes sense. I mean, if you can't say in one breath— that they took wives because the only if 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 everything was within the garden then it would be incest um and not that that was entirely prohibited in the bible but you you have a case where if this had been their sisters they wouldn't have mentioned having to go to another land to do it so i don't know I don't know. We'll never settle it tonight, but it is worthy of looking into if one wants to. And that's really what it comes down to is, you know, these things don't have to be settled in three minutes. Just because somebody brings it up doesn't mean that's the end of it. And I will look forward to seeing some of these videotapes that people are talking about. But first, we got a bunch of open lines to get to, and we'll do that next. On Coast to Coast AM, this is Ian Punnett. All right, so this thing's just flown by. Um, and let me go and get to see. We have so many people, and they want to talk about the M and M's. It's like M and M's and train derailments. Uh, we'll start with my old friend, Toxic Reverend, on Coast to Coast AM. One of the few people who I allow on the air to use a nickname because I hate that, but I make an exception in your case. Do you miss me on Twitter okay. yet? Yeah, I did. I thought maybe I made you mad and you blocked me at first. And I thought, no. oh, and I thought, well, maybe something terribly bad happened. I thought, well, I'd nope. rather make you mad than something nasty. I'm no, it's just Lent. That you just, yeah, yeah, that you were doing it. I, I posted it on Twitter, too, that you said you would Thank take you. a break. Thank you. Appreciate so that. To find out. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like, a lot of people needed a break from Twitter because they're like, oh, I can't take it. It's just a lot of... I just want to, because I enjoy it too much. <laughs> so, but, you know, I don't I don't really need this. I can see how long I can last. Uh, but I have a feeling yeah. you're calling about the train derailments, right? It's one of the things, yes. I caught a gentleman that was looking into this, and what he found out was that Trump had changed some of the safety regulations with these things, like the way they could haul liquid natural gas. And he was saying 20, 20 train cars of that put together could equal a blast like the bomb on Hiroshima. No, really, I really will. I'm about yeah. listening tomorrow night because I'm hoping Jim Russell will have will you know do the nay or yay on that one. Yeah, I, I'll be well. He'll be on in the first hour, so yeah, I'll get to that. Well, well I call it American Roulette. We're all playing. It's where the corporations are betting our lives for their profit, and rarely face you know the people rarely face any criminal charges. Sometimes, like PG&E. They uh, they pled guilty to eighty something homicides and negligent homicides, but nobody went to jail. No people, just the company yeah. did it. You know, not the person operating the company. It's pretty it's rare. It's pretty rare, and it it it, it is. Um, you know, I, I hope that because there was no loss of life yet in these last couple, that it means that everyone's going to be a lot more vigilant and. There'll be more money spent to create more safety so that they can, if nothing else, avoid more congressional intervention um, or. I, I hope so, too. Yeah. And except there's one problem. They've been aware of, of things like yeah. these situations <laughs> with chemicals on the trains, the potential for a soft target for terrorists. They've been right. well aware of that since 9-11. There were reports about it and they haven't done little to fix it. If anything, no. they went the opposite way and loosened it up. And I think, you know, the, the problem to me is. Most people don't realize one of those trains could be running right by near them, and they never knew it was there because it didn't go kaboom in that fashion. You know, you're, it's I'm a really, really interesting so point. Glad you're doing it. All right, yeah, I'm really glad you're doing it. We need to hear. God bless you. I, I hope you enjoy your Lent. And uh, thank, <laughs> thank you. you. Taking, thank you for taking my call. Always nice to hear from you. All right, uh, Steve is in Indiana, east of the Rockies, on coast to coast. Steve. Yeah, Trump did it. Uh, what? What? You know, Come on. Walton, you know, the, the I can't remember his first name, but, he, you know, he's a multi-billionaire. He, he's a big Democrat donor, but he owns a bunch of these tank cars. Oh, yeah. And they're suppressing the the building of pipelines, which are much safer than moving this stuff by rail. But Walton is, make, is giving money to the Democrat Party, so and he's got all these tank cars, and, man, we got to use them. Yeah, well, I tell you, I think it, it cuts across both parties. So I don't know that it's any one thing, but if you remember, too, that there's a lot of this big uproar about uh, new pipelines all the time. I mean, people don't it, – it, again, it's like wh- where do the pipelines go? You know, who decides, oh, I'm going to put a pipeline – and it's going to have this really dangerous stuff, and we're going to put it through your backyard. I've got one two hundred yards to the north of me. <laughs> Did you wish you property line? Do you wish it wasn't there? I look. It's been there. My my. Not my question. Do you wish it would go away? <laughs> well, there's been no problem with it, and it's been there like fifty years. So okay, well, good. I, I hope some railroad tracks a mile north of me. So. You know, yeah. take my choice, right? Yeah, that's about but right. The reason I called was uh, somebody asked about the mob being mixed up in the JFK, and I read a book by uh, uh, a mafia hitman. It's called "I Hear You Paint Houses." Are you? Huh? 
Are you uh, familiar with that book? Not, not by how you just described it, but was he a New Orleans mobster? Well, no, he was he was a East Coast mobster, but he he uh, claims to be the guy that killed uh, Jimmy Hoffa. Oh, okay, yeah. So he's the subject of the guy in the but Irishman. The Irishman. Right? That's that was his nickname, right? Uh, right. That was a, that. Frank, so Frank, that uh, was Sheeran. That was the that was the subject of that last Scorsese thing he did. Yeah, I heard they they made a movie about that. Yeah, and I heard Robert De Niro wanted to play uh, the Irishman. The Irishman in reality was six foot five and had red hair. So if, yeah. if Robert De Niro wants to play that guy, you know, yeah. how are you going to do that? It was very. It's a very. As far as I'm concerned, it's a very forgettable movie. Well, the now, book is really check the book out. The book's great. Okay, good. No, it ended up being uh, Robert De Niro as uh, as Frank Sheeran. But I can answer your Custer question. Go ahead. Custer split his command into three different groups. Right. He sent one guy, I think it was Captain Reno, to the the end of the the village to attack from that end. Custer and his group was going to attack from the other end. Right. And then he had another guy sitting back in the hills with, with all the pack animals. Right. And so the first guy attacks, he sees how many Indians there are. He's like, whoa, you know, I didn't sign up for this. So he right. he retreats to a hill, and he's besieged there until, I don't know, for a couple of days. But those guys survived. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. It's just the idea that somehow in the battle, while they were there, 350 people walked away. It's just not an accurate description of it. Yeah, but I, I, I get what you're saying, but that's not he, all I said. Well, I didn't really have a question. The other was guy was Custer's unit. It was his command, but he split him up into three. Right. Yeah, so I know. The other guys that survived. Right, but the, you know what it speaks to is it, Custer, those are the ones that died. That's my point, and it was it, everybody died, and that's really all I said. But I think this is where. Some people don't like that idea. You know, they don't like to think that somebody like Custer got totally wiped out, just got annihilated. And so they want to sort of pull the lens back until it it makes Custer look better. And I don't think it does. I I think he was an arrogant guy who believed that he could do what he was going to set out to do with very little loss of life. And he got creamed. Manders hated him. Yeah, and they, he told him he sent orders for him to come up, you know, and he said, "No, we're staying right here." Right, right. And didn't he finish like last? Or I guess here I'm going to get a million calls no, again. He was but one of the first ones killed. No, 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 no. Didn't he finish last at West Point? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, he was yeah. like a terrible. Well, that's well, good. I appreciate that. Let me get a couple of the people here, but those are really good points. I, thanks for jumping in. Let me grab uh, Bill in New Jersey. He's got something on JFK on Coast to Coast, Bill. Yeah, thank you. Uh, happy St. Patty's Day, St. Patty's Day. And you? Yeah, they, they, uh, yeah, they told me to skip the uh, haunted house uh, that I live in, uh, skip the uh, sightings that I see in Bucks County, uh, like the movie sightings. But anyway, the JFK thing. First of all, uh, when he Oswald went to uh, Russia, he renounced his citizenship. So. Right. In order for him to get back into the United States, it had to have been that he was a triple agent for the CIA. Uh, the other thing is that um, he uh, chickened out uh, because there was a tree in the way of, of the shooting, and he was not—he was a Marine like my brother, 
but and my father in the army. But he he was not a good shot, so he chickened out. Also, right. we are not going to know about this because everything that they gave out last year was retracted, most of it. We are not going to find out for 2023. The mob was also involved. They hired the killers uh, from Europe, and they were killed on the third day. There's a scene in the uh, the uh, the uh, uh, program of, of, of the uh, FBI uh, files. Yeah, there's a scene there. The guy says, "No, they were killed on the third day." Yeah. I well, I don't, I don't, I don't put a lot of stock in scenes and movies and TV, but I, I do accept a lot of what you're saying. And, and the, the the most important piece is. And it'll always be this way. Is how was it that Lee Harvey Oswald was allowed back in the United States after renouncing his citizenship? He like called up the United States. I'm coming back. Okay. I mean that just doesn't make any sense. So I'm with you. That that part will always be weird, and I've yet to ever hear an, a good explanation of it. Uh, Tom is in Riverside, California, on coast to coast. Tom. Hey, Tom. Did I miss you? Hello. Hey, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I, I just wanted to thank you for uh, uh, playing the cranberry thing. Yeah, it was very appropriate right now. She was such a good singer, and uh, Dolores. Yeah, Dolores was. Yeah, she, Can... she made so many good. Uh, that that group just did a lot of good. Oh. Groups, uh, and what a, a great group. singer! And yeah. I don't remember the year that she committed suicide, but gosh, it just uh, it was a few years ago. But... Yeah. She was just amazing. She, yeah, she is such a great, great, uh, that that whole group was really, that drummer was wild. I know. He really I was just, talking about, <laughs> I was just yeah. talking about that with uh, Dan Galanti off the air, that I really loved the subtlety of the drumming at the beginning, and then yeah. then he's he banging in, away after a while. Yeah, 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 I really like that. I agree completely. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. Let me get to Jay, first time caller line. He's in Colorado on Coast to Coast. Jay? I'll get this out quickly because my headset's about to die. It wasn't okay. green M and M's; it was brown M and M's. That oh, was that's what it was. M&M in the bag. It was Van Halen, and the reason that they did that was because backstage someone almost got killed when a lighting truss fell because it wasn't attached to safety properly. So at that point, they put that in the writer because they found that if they didn't take out the M and M's, they didn't read the technical writer safety issues, right. and that's why they stopped doing it. Now, well, and, and just so you, wait, wait, just so you know, other other bands had been doing something similar um, yeah. to get to make sure that the promoters saw the writers um, and paid attention to them. I had uh, that, that's an interesting observation about the uh, about the safety. Go ahead, you had another point. Well, and the, and the bigger thing was that because their tour took off and they exploded onto the scene, most of the places that wanted to get them in there didn't have proper equipment. So that's how they vetted oh, all the places by right. just seeing if they even read through the contracts. That's my good. only interesting thing is I've done in my life, I've seen ball lightning for sure. Uh-huh. I've actually seen the MQ Series Reaper and a few other things on the back of a pickup truck, not pickup truck, a flatbed truck when I was working out at Ridgecrest at uh, China Lake. And someone's like, well, why would they have it on the back of a truck? Where else are you going to drive it around when you're not flying it? So, you know, that's that interesting. Was back in 2009. I mean, it's I, a funny picture because it's wrapped up in a brown tarp, and then you see the landing gear sticking out of the bottom of it, sitting on the back of a sure. flatbed, waiting to get to the front gate, going, what is that? 
Right. <laughs> well, you know, that's so interesting. I appreciate that. And I, you're right. It was the brown M&Ms, not the green ones. The green ones were aphrodisiacs, right? That was the original rumor. And then the red ones in the M&M bag they took out for many years because of red dye number two. And they made a big deal about bringing back the red one. So, uh, yeah, I for, I'd, I'd forgotten it was brown. Thank you so much. Let me go to uh, David, who's in Cincinnati on Coast to Coast AM. David? Hey, Ian. Uh, we hey. talked before. I'm, I was the guy who writes for the Railroad Magazine. Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed our conversation that night. You called in, yeah. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to kind of respond. I heard somebody calling earlier talking about a potential conspiracy with the railroads. There's no conspiracy. What's happening is just a symptom of industry issues, honestly. Right. Um, and actually, um, I heard you saying something about the number of large railroads. Actually, the number of large railroads actually went down one this week. The uh, Canadian Pacific purchased the Kansas City Southern. Oh, okay. So there's now six class one large railroads <laughs> instead of seven. Okay. Um, so, but um, yeah, the service and transport just approved that this week. But yeah, it's What's happening is a symptom of industry issues, and actually, if you um, – I heard somebody also talking real quick. I'll try to be fast. Uh, I heard the guy talking about the, the Trump stuff before. Um, the Washington Post already reviewed that and said that the stuff that Trump changed would not have made a difference in East Palestine at all. Right. That's what I heard, too. Yeah, I think he yeah. was being facetious when he said that. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not a Trump defender. I was just trying no, to— No, no, I get it. I think he was being facetious because he went on to say something else. But And I, and I really appreciate you calling. And, David, I really enjoyed that call that night when we were talking about it with Jim Posel, who will be on tomorrow night, um, in just that first hour to give us an update on things. Um, and uh, and I, I'm sure you'll appreciate— you know, every time we do open lines, this is like a pop quiz. I and mean, people bring up stuff, and I'm like, I'm pulling stuff out of thin air. <laughs> I remember from, I haven't looked up in 10 years, and I got to try and remember it. And so I get stuff wrong all the time during uh, during open lines. So I, I appreciate the correction. And yeah, I did. You had even said, and this was interesting, that because of the Canadian. Wasn't it you that were talking about how the Canadian rail lines, when they have an accident, they have even different, they have more special privilege because. Right. They, they have all kinds of different stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that there was a, they're right here near where I am, near Marysville in, um, in Kansas. They were even trying to keep the press from being able to fly overhead or anybody to even that have a al- drone. That also, happened, that also happened here in Ohio about uh, three weeks ago with the Norfolk Southern Derailment in Springfield, Ohio. They did the same thing. Yeah, as though like the freedom of the press does not exist when it's a train derailment because they then they claim it's a safety issue. Right, but yeah, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever to me. It makes right. no sense. They're telling everybody over here, oh, everything's fine. And then on the other side of their mouth, they're going, oh, safety issue. You can't you can't show it from, uh, you know, any sort of um, vantage point where you could actually see how much damage was done. I think that's right. nuts. And they were even right. telling congressmen that they couldn't go and visit their own district where the accident had taken place. Yeah. It, what Some of the stuff that's happening is just. It's absolutely crazy, and I've I've never seen anything like it. And I've I've been following this industry. I mean, since I was like five years old. Right. Yeah, I bet <laughs> you have. It's crazy. Well, you, I, I I again, what's the name of your publication? Uh, Trains Magazine. Okay. So, have you ever interviewed Jim Posel? 
Uh, I have not. Uh, I would be happy to at some point. I would like to. Yeah. I mean, I'd be and curious. I'd be happy to call back in tomorrow night if we, and get into some of that stuff, too, <laughs> well, if the comment comes up. We certainly will. I appreciate that. And uh, I don't mean to tell you your business, but what's interesting about that is that he was really trying not to throw the— I think you you had the same impression. He was trying to be—he was trying to walk it down the middle a little bit between— you know, the people, the safety concerns and the people that were in charge of it. But at some point, something's got to give. And it, right. I don't know where the reporting is going to be coming from. And it needs more and more expert voices that can really say, right. and, this and is the, the problem. Is, if, if, if you if you go back to when that rail strike almost happened, a lot of the guys in the industry were warning about some of this stuff happening. Right. There were safety concerns that, the, that they were, you know, they were basically throwing safety out the window. But even the Biden administration just didn't seem to listen. They just wanted nope. to not have to deal with the strike. Yeah, which is weird because he's Mr. Train. So, yep, appreciate that. Well, um, well, that'll be first hour Saturday night, and then it will be Sitting Bowl's great-grandson, uh, Ernie LaPointe. you got to listen to this show. We're going to talk about Native American spirituality. We're going to talk about um, different perspectives that he has as both a veteran um, and also somebody who has been the victim uh, and his family has a long history of being victimized by the very same government um, that he has served. So how, what kind of sense do we make of that? Well, that'll be tomorrow night. We talk to the great grandson of Sitting Bull. Um, and St. Patrick's Day is over, but uh, in the meantime, till tomorrow night, um, I hope it was a good one for you. Deus Tiamat, and I do too.